and spit at you from here. What are you doing with your face? That's free speech. Nerd, you're wrong. Oh! That is some bad philosophy. Come on. Bad Philosophy, episode 14, recorded on December 5th, 2008, The Jolly Llama. Hello everyone, welcome and one to Bad Philosophy, coming at you after an hour of struggling with audio equipment. <laughs> uh, just a little bit of backstory on this. Um, so the idea was we were finally going to have a good show, right? We were all gonna, we were all gonna have, we were all gonna have headsets. We were all gonna, you know, have our have our own channel. We were gonna be able to use the mixer to do some, you know, crazy cool stuff with the stereo separation, like mixing, like mixing, you know, actually mixing <laughs> with a mixer. And uh, what we have. Happened is, what happened is, um, inexplicably, our headsets do not work with the mixer. Um, have no idea why, because I have tested similar situations before, and they've worked fine, and for some reason, it's just not working. And uh, unfortunately, the library, though they have come through for us in great strides today, uh, giving us the ability to take a microphone off-premises, sort of. We've, we're still in the library. We're actually in one of the uh, one of the stack areas where all the books are, <laughs> uh, while other people are studying for finals. Um, they let us take the equipment over there, but only one of the microphones works correctly still. So, you know, we're uh, we're making do. <laughs> and that one microphone would be the one microphone we're using. Exactly. Uh, the one <laughs> the one that we happen to be using. So, well, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our panel today, because um, we're, we're a bit frustrated, but we're going get to get along with it anyway, because that's what we do on Bad Philosophy. <laughs> is it? Is it really? <laughs> it is what we do, really. So, uh, we got Kevin here. He's, Howdy. Yeah. He's here again, once again. And uh, we got Matt Legler wearing the I'm still here. headset for some reason. Well, you see, I figured that if, if the headset's not going to work, I could at least wear it and look professional. Nobody's watching us, Matt. It's exactly. not even plugged you're, into you're anything. Watching. I'm not watching him, Matt. I'm plugged in right here. Oh, oh, what's that? What's that? A female voice? <laughs> <laughs> it's a rarity on BF. Indeed. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, I'm Julie. Yay. And Yay. I'm live here <laughs> okay any any other on the fourth floor of the stacks at um, texas tech university mm -hmm. <laughs> now, i saw your i saw her house actually it's it's quite beautiful it's it's in one of the corners and the cardboard you have a lot of books here oh I mean, yeah it's, it's I, nice. I mean the proximity to knowledge must be i actually nice. pretty much spent a lot of time just across the the way there and then mm -hmm. in the music building oh okay. yeah, in the basement a lot so kevin turn your phone off <laughs> but yeah so uh, i'm i'm here studying music and that's about it. Good stuff. Nice, All right. nice. Um, Julie is actually our what third, third official um, uh, female panelist. I think, on the show. like, even though one is kind of spectral in character, mm. uh, she's the third. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, first would have been Peyton on the Lost episode. Second, definitely Kimberly and uh, Julie is our third. Although Kimberly keeps leaving early. She stayed for most of. One episode. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we're 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 delving into um, a rather controversial topic today on the show, and uh, this will be the make or break episode, really. I, I think for for any of you out there who've uh, who've been listening, you know what we do. We're uh, fans of the rabbit trail, and we're fans of the the stuff that nobody else likes to talk about. Um, one very huge issue uh, today, to understate the fact immensely. Is, is whether uh, one should be religious or not, whether one should hold a dogmatic religious belief system. 
Um, and this is, you know, you could go a thousand different ways with this. Uh, it stemmed, it stemmed for me recently from, um, I went to see the documentary Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed, which is a 2007 documentary with Ben Stein, where, where Ben Stein not, doesn't do anything with money, but he, <laughs> he basically does the Michael Moore style, let's interview everything, everyone in it that we can about why teachers are being fired for teaching intelligent design or even mentioning intelligent design in their classrooms. And so it goes through multiple people who have been fired for such things, allegedly. And um, they seem very, like, very intelligent people. You know, they're scientists, too. And um, he also interviews folks on the other side of the debate, which is over whether intelligent design should be taught with the same, uh, with the same level of uh, authority as evolution, as evolutionary theory, to explain how the universe came into existence and how we got basically where we are today. Um, most of the scientific community nowadays would say that intelligent design is not a viable theory. It does not have any any testable predictions. It does not tell us anything useful, and therefore should not be taught alongside the more uh, the more empirically verified theory of evolution, uh, which is 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 a an evolution itself of the idea of natural selection. Uh, it's a very controversial issue. Many states have had uh, cases go to their Supreme Courts over this uh, because it, it's seen as tying in with many issues, like whether uh, the government is, esta- is uh, respecting an establishment of religion by um, teachers teaching intelligent design in public schools. Um, so what we're basically going to do today is just talk about all aspects of this issue. You know, first where y'all come down on that, whether whether it should be taught or not, whether it should be people should be fired or not for mentioning intelligent design, um, and then kind of a broader question of why be religious? Why are you religious? Why should anyone be religious? Why not be religious? So I'm going to open it up first of all with this question: Should should intelligent design be taught at all? Should it taught be taught with equal time with evolution, or should it be taught to the exclusion of evolution and natural selection theory? Go for it. Okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's an interesting question, because the reason the question comes up at all, and this is, and I'm, I'm big on asking why, uh, and going back, and going to a step, a step before, um, which some would argue is the, is the basis for this question, is looking at what happened in the past. Um, but it's a situation of, of why does this question come up even at all? In our schools, mm-hmm. and and the answer I come back to in my libertarian ways is because we have government-funded education. Yes, um, it's a situation where that that I think is actually the source of this problem, hmm. um, because because the public is paying for education. Everybody in this room has paid taxes at some point in time. And as thus paying for the education of school children in our community, and we have very div- divisive beliefs on this, as as is seen stuff like Expelled, and there's been actually there's been a couple, you know, or a number of responses to that film, mm-hmm. um, a number of things uh, that I mean this is this has been a topic that's going on for a while. The Scopes Monkey Trial was back in the '60s, wasn't it? Yes. Um, that was that. Oh was no, first... far far before that actually. I, uh, I believe it was in the 1920s that Even it occurred. Then. Yeah. Um, so I mean, this, this stuff's been going on for a long time, but we've still had very divisive public opinion. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not not looking at scientific things or or at the, the church at all in this situation, but just publicly on a scale, we have a very strong divisive opinion, and a lot of times it boils down to what should be taught in schools. Mm-hmm. And because there's a strong difference, like it, you 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 don't have this problem on math because everyone agrees that two plus two equals four. Right. That's not a situation where where this happens. And because I'm paying for schools. I don't want something that, dis- that that goes against my beliefs to be taught to anybody. Mm-hmm. Period. Um, or you know, and same thing for any any given person. I being in the plural here. Um, and so, I mean, the the big solution that it doesn't it doesn't solve the debate. It doesn't answer the question, but it gets it out of my hair. <laughs> uh, which which rational self interest. That's what I care about the most. It. Is is get rid of publicly funded schools? Okay, mm. that, and that's a good angle to go with it. I mean, th- this issue doesn't arise as as prominently, I guess, in private institutions. But one of the examples I do remember from Expelled is that a a professor at Baylor University was actually fired for bringing up intelligent design in a science class. Mm. Um, Baylor is a, is a private education is a privately funded school. Well, uh, privately funded religious school. It's religious school. Yeah. It's a uh, Baptist. Yes. Yes. It's Baptist. I mean, it's. I don't know how Baptist it still is, but <laughs> um, um, I've heard, I do I've know, heard rumors. I do know that you are required to take at least two theology classes um, as part of the core curriculum at okay. Baylor. So it is still. It's it's got it's definitely got religious roots, and yes. and that's and that's fine. Again, it is a private institution. They can, in, in my very not humble opinion, they can hire or fire anybody for any reason they want. Right. <laughs> um, it's it's when you get the government coming in and putting stickers on books or or not allowing stickers on books. Either way, um, it's using this force. And and if there's a desire for people to get for people who research intelligent design, study this sort of stuff, and and there is, I won't. I don't know how big of a how, you know scientifically, it's not something that is that is researched much at all these days. No. And that's the argument on the, on the other side of it, is, mm-hmm. is these teachers are bringing it up, but is should it even be brought up as, as, a, as a viable alternative? Like, we don't teach, geos, we don't teach geocentrism anymore. We don't teach um, the, the theory of, of uh, retrograde motion, of, of planetary motion, because it doesn't apply. We have a, a heliocentric model now, and we understand everything by Kepler's laws. Um, so it, it would be akin to, the, the evolutionists argue that it would be akin to teaching something that is false, or that we know is demonstrably false. I'm well, see, that's, that's, a, that's a tricky point because I, I don't think well. Intelligent design is sticky because it's not something that is demonstrably true. Right. That doesn't make it demonstrably false. No, no. And when you, when you have that sort of situation, should it, it's very difficult to to teach it. It's very difficult to say because when you're in a, in a position of authority, teacher-student relationship. When you impart knowledge, or it's it's you you're doing on the assumption of this is true. Yeah, and that's and that's something that's tricky to do, when when it's not something that is provably true. Hmm. Um, it's a conjecture. It it is a hypothesis to explain um, shortcomings in evolutionary theory. Um, for instance, one of the um, <clears throat> One of the pillars of the of the intelligent design argument is irreducible complexity. The idea that that certain biological systems are so complicated and so interconnected that to remove one piece of them uh, would completely cripple them, that they would not work at all, and that you cannot draw any sort of a of a natural selection line of, of building up to this complex system. 
and so therefore it must have been designed that way. There was no there was no evolution up to that point. It was just designed to be like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say that so so in that sense, intelligent design is is filling a gap, um, an inadequacy in evolutionary theory. Uh, now I'm curious, Julie, Matt, what do, what do y'all think of this? Where where do y'all fall down on this issue? On like, the school issue? Well, how have how have you encountered this issue in the in the past in your own experience? Um, well, in my high school, my biology teacher just taught straight um, evolution out of the book and just kind of um, put it before us. I went to a very small high school. Okay, high school. And so, yes, yeah, a public high school. And so, like, even if she would have been like, I don't believe a lick of this <laughs> and whatever, it wouldn't have mattered. Okay. But um, she just kind of, we actually didn't even spend very much time on it. It was just one of those issues that was just kind of taught and then moved on. Um, but I've also taken some classes um, at Tech, and it's really interesting to see um, how angry some of the professors get. Um <laughs> You're and, referring, and, of course, to Dr. Dini. No, no I, I'm actually <laughs> referring to uh, Dr. Reed. Hmm. Have you had Dr. I took... Um, I've, I've had him. Yeah. And and it was really kind of interesting to watch because um, he was very angry from a political standpoint. Hmm. And it was... He brought it up in every class, I swear. Even if he wasn't teaching that class. <laughs> if the other professor was teaching, he would be like... Just interject like his ideas. And um, you could tell that that was really a hot-button issue for him. Hmm. And he did everything in his power to... Um, shoot it down to us. Um, so that's kind of just factually kind of what I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, ben, what about you, Matt? Well, for me, um, I went to a private high school, and my biology professor taught both intelligent design and evolution, and he spent an equal amount of time on both. Um, he was very clear that he was you know, involved in church, considered himself religious, and he believed and intelligent design, but the, he didn't spend any more time on intelligent design than he did evolution, and he didn't make one seem better than the other. Hmm. And so I was, so I really spent, respected him for doing that. He spent equal time on, he on did. each one of them. Okay. Um, and I respected him for doing that, and, um, you know, at the same t- like coming out right now, I don't think that um, he was biased at all towards one or the other during the class. I think he presented both, but, um, he was. He was basically saying that, you know, there's two theories here. Neither one can be proved at this point, and so therefore both should at least be presented. Mm-hmm. And see, that's that's where a lot of people have come down on this issue, is that it should be a, a matter of teaching the controversy, that you, you should present both these ideas, because it we're... They say we're we're in response to the the geocentrist argument, that we're in sort of a an era where geocentrism wasn't completely known to be false, um, so that we should still teach the both views as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the scientific community would say that no, we've moved past that point, that we're, we're about 50 or 75 years beyond it being a question, and that we really no- do know that we really can prove that evolution and natural selection is a better explanation for reality. I just think that that's kind of trying to teach theology in a scientific classroom, um, honestly. It's kind of what comes into my mind, because I feel like that you're you're kind of trying to mix these two ideas that really can't be mixed. And, right. And that I don't think that, honestly, I don't think either one is wrong or either one is necessarily right. I mean, I just, I think that um, Genesis was written, and it's it's a poetic book, and it's not it's not supposed to be interpreted literally, I don't think, anyway. Okay. Uh, we'll get back to that subject uh, <laughs> a little bit later on, but, um, yeah, and that's, and that's the argument brought up by a lot of folks, but... Uh, 
the vast majority of the scientific community sides with uh, natural selection. Uh, the intelligent design group is, is very much a minority and growing smaller. Um, I think the, the documentary Expelled was trying to kind of show how um, there's a little bit of, of oppression of minorities in uh, in the scientific which community is, which over is something this. we love in this country. Right, <laughs> and uh, the ultimate argument of the documentary was that uh, it was a, infringing on free speech. To an extent, and uh, I I had a little bit of a problem with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let me move on the Constitution just just because it came up. So we just yeah, just have this at the ready. Pull out the Bill of Rights. Should Should I go ahead and read yeah, go number ahead, one? Go just ahead and do it. if we're if we're talking free speech, yeah. it should be brought wait, up. Wait, wait, wait for it. Yep, that's that's a solid piece of Bill of Rights right there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Amendment one to the Bill of Rights or to the Constitution in the Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and petition the government for a redress of grievances. Just putting that out there. Right. Um, and so, so in this case, <laughs> well, the, the the thing that the, the it's a stretch that that that, that, I, that when you when you read that you should notice that it's a it's a governmental thing. Yeah, the right for private institutions to suppress free speech in their institution is not a right, or is a right they have. Mm-hmm. Um, we we talked about this back on episode zero uh, when we were recording at Freebirds. If Freebird <laughs> wants to kick me out for saying something loud and obnoxious in their restaurant, they have full right to do so. Yes. Um, and in this case, the the contracts that the professors signed up in in some cases stipulated that they can only teach a certain. Uh, pattern of, of uh, theories and that that intelligent design was not one of them uh, and therefore that they violated the terms of their contract by in doing which case so. they can get kicked out because right. they agreed to that contract exactly even in a, even in public institutions they even in public institutions that's and that's that's a little hairier when you start doing that but that's why I hate public institutions right um, because we as Congress isn't made a law saying this but a public institution has said for example you cannot teach intelligent design yes. and and at that point once again it is it is a decision that is represented a decision that is made is not 100% representative of the public's wishes mm-hmm. um, and and some would argue well you never get 100% agreement I'm like well yes that's that's very true no, you can get a majority agreement you can get a majority <laughs> and and on those sorts of things you don't if you can't get really 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 close to 100% public opinion don't force anybody to do anything mm-hmm. now that's again why I don't like public institutions of exactly. any sort because it's going to come down on one side or the other, and that's going to cause these conflicts and these problems. And do I have a problem with a government-funded institution kicking somebody out for breaking the terms of their contract? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Do I have a problem with the terms of the contract saying you cannot say this? Right. Yes. And that's that's what it ultimately boiled down to. Is the documentary was was arguing that. It's unreasonable. It's unreasonable to put that kind of restriction on there. That intelligent design does have merit. And uh, toward the later part of the documentary, it really became obvious that this was a question of of a conflict, not because not between two ideologies of science, mm-hmm. but between theology and secularism. Because it, what what a lot of people argue is that intelligent design is a way to get religion into schools, to get this idea of a of a of a supernatural creator into the curriculum and get people thinking about this when they're when they're doing scientific uh, yeah. research. Well, in the movie, when they're arguing that, are they arguing for religion or are they arguing for the idea of there being an intelligent creator, designer, yeah. An, an intelligent a, designer. A supernatural creator, yeah. The movie seemed to separate the two quite 
quite far from each other because they were just saying that hey there's a theory that this either could have evolved itself or it could have been intelligently designed we're not saying that God did that. We're just saying that well, no, an intelligent designer did that. The, the problem is, those, <laughs> but who is that intelligent designer? Well, it isn't me. It isn't you. Well, like yeah. for a Christian, that would be the one, the only God that's you know the Hebrew God. Of course. But then, and in, in some cases, they said, well, the intelligent designer could be another uh, race of, of beings. Exactly. You know, super, or a flying spaghetti monster. But then, of course, the question is, well, who designed them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the the intelligent design question only pushes it one step back. Ultimately, you have to answer, okay, well, if there isn't a designer, then there's something inherent about the universe that caused things to be the way they are. And even even then, you got to say, well, what caused that? And and you can truly go on. And eventually, I think you're going to hit theology of some sort. Oh, of course. And, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But when you hit that theology, you've got to say, well, okay, this is theology. Yeah, and see, that, that that's getting into the idea of... Um, non-overlapping magisterium that that religion has has its its um, say over a certain uh, portion of reality mm-hmm. and that science has its say over another portion of reality and that you know at some point you cross the boundary between the two you might mo- you need religion to explain why we're here what's our purpose whatever you need science to explain how uh, a cannonball works how a cannonball <laughs> moves through the air it hurts you um, and then <laughs> you can't works. use religion to explain that and I would say that there's there hasn't been enough uh, demonstrated to necessitate using uh, an intelligent designer. Uh, that that we that saying that okay, well we don't understand something right now. We don't understand how it could possibly be that something could be so complex and work so well and have you know all these parts working together in unison. Well, just because we don't understand it doesn't mean that it must have been designed. It's a, it's a fallacy to think so. It's just that we don't understand how that mechanism can come about yet. Mm-hmm. You're I mean, talking one, about the irreducible, com- irreducible, irreducible complexity. complexity. At yeah. some point, humanity would have said, "Well, well, the movements of the planets are are so complicated, and they move in, in the in these you know these periodic ways, and it's it, it must have been designed. You know, they must have been put there like that." But we understand now how it all works. We understand through Kepler's laws that gravity causes this this angular momentum that, that keeps things in in, um, in an orbit and it, it it's it's moved on past mm-hmm. that that realm of of ununderstanding it has and and the thing is and this this is kind of where i thought on that spectrum that understanding does not exclude a creator from existing mm-hmm. these rules in place that that it, it doesn't say it's it's i mean the, the way i look at it is i'm there's a ton of evidence for evolution out there, a lot more than there is for intelligent design. It's, it's you know, it is very unlikely that, you know, aliens dropped us on this planet 6,000 years ago. Unlikely. We can't prove it didn't happen. Um, can't prove it did happen. We have evidence on one side. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know. If we, we have, we have any, evidence on one side of that argument. We don't have any evidence for the alien dropping. We thing. don't. <laughs> we don't. Um, we have a lot of evidence against it. Yeah. But um, I don't like thinking of myself as alien droppings. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, no. Just, <laughs> yeah. But um, but so we 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 have all this evidence and stuff. But it's a situation where <coughs> these systems are in place and they're they are complex and they work together. I find that beautiful mm-hmm. in the fact that there is a, an, an, a a self-contained universe that exists within its own rules. Yes. And that the rules are consistent across the universe. Yes. Yeah. 
like in that Beatles song. <laughs> um, and and that's and that's something that I find incredible and amazing. And those came about somehow. Okay, so that this is what Kevin's presenting here is basically a, a version of the fine tuning argument that. It seems. It seems. I don't know that I am, but well, explain uh, what that is, and I'll say if I tell me, I'll explain it. (laughs) Um, It's basically the idea that that we see certain constants in the universe that are the way they are, Mm -hmm. and that if they were if they were any different, say if the if the uh, gravitational constant were any different, uh, planets would not form, uh, galaxies would not form. That you just kind of have this amorphous blob of matter. Uh, If the strong force were off by something like ten to the negative eighteenth decimal place, then um, higher molecules would never form, higher atoms would never be possible, um, and that the universe seems to be fine-tuned then for for life to come about. That's not quite what I'm saying, but that's, that's got, it's an interesting thought, okay. and that's not quite what I'm saying, um, because it is, I, I think it would be possible for for say Kepler is, does Kepler have a, a number? There's a big K. I remember from physics. Is that Kepler's? I don't thing? think there's a Kepler number, but maybe it was Kepler. There's, yeah. there's a somebody's no. no there are numbers. Yeah. Um, there are constants <laughs> that we know. Avogadro has a number. Avogadro has a number. Is that but, a constant? But that's, that's, that's not, not a constant of the universe. Yeah. The constant of the universe would be like the speed of light, um, the speed gravita- of light. gravitational constant, the um, permeability of free space, and the permittivity of free space. I mean, fundamental constants uh, in physics. Yeah, big things. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that. I'm not even saying that those are the only possible numbers for those to exist. Mm-hmm. Some something caused those numbers to hit where they are. Those numbers to be as they are. In a in a in a, I'm sorry, I've been reading Anathem, and so I'm going to say in a large <laughs> enough hem space, which is a configuration space. I don't know exactly what it is. I know I know that it's hem space because that's what's described in the book. In a large enough configuration space, it would be possible for those numbers to be different mm-hmm. and have different laws come out and and universes to still exist it's a version of the anthropic principle um it, it's i don't know these things well <laughs> it's basically the idea that okay we see it that way we see it as fine tuning but we also have to understand that we're living in the one universe that got it right if you take a multiple universes approach yeah. um because we're living it, in a universe that got it right yeah we're, we're living <laughs> in a universe that got it right or a situation where it came out correctly mm-hmm. so so naturally we'd be asking these questions yes um and naturally we kind of see ourselves as as special for some reason um well, and, and we are we are <laughs> but we can't make any judgments about just how special we are because because there are other possibilities out there. There could be other configurations of the constants that would result in life, or there could have been you know a, a thousand billion trillion other universes that didn't have the constants correct, and where you just happened to be the one that worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is one theory, and and actually um, there are some interesting theories about how universes could sort of do a natural selection type process, um, wherein you know a universe. Uh, creates black holes that create other universes that have a different set of constants, and you sort of have the the universes that create life tend to exist, or, or the universes that, that tend to be more complicated uh, persist, sort of like um, genes, and you sort of have this natural selection process go on with universes. It's a very interesting idea. I don't, I don't know if it's true, but my point kind of is, we have these alternative explanations, that intelligent design is not the only answer to the way that the universe is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, should, you know, why does intelligent design get put above everything else? Why don't we teach these other alternative theories? You know, why don't we teach um, that, that the universe could, could have evolved in that sort of fashion? It, it just seems to me that 
that there is a religious agenda behind it. And, and they I'm show, not going to say there's not. And, and the website expelledexposed.com actually goes into and, and shows that certain textbooks written by creationist groups were simply edited with the word creationism replaced by intelligent design. And that a lot of these arguments, irreducible complexity, were made in them. Um, but that it, the, the book had before been simply a creationist text, textbook. So, you know, there's there's an agenda behind it, of course, and I'm, there's always an agenda. There's always I mean, an I mean, agenda. That's that's, but, that's something that, that that's kind of how I, I take my outlook is everyone is biased, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm tired of people trying to hide it. I want people to tell me their biases up front. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that that would make a lot of this easier. I mean, if if a if a private school were to open up. And if, if if we get rid of government schools, and a private and a private school A and private school B wanted to be creationist school, evolutionist school, um, I see no reason to stop either of them from doing that, hmm. because even in these schools, okay, parents will force their kids to go to school A or school B for whatever reason. Eventually, child will turn 18, and I I believe in the power of humans to figure out stuff. If they're taught well, I mean, you you have to teach the ability to reason through situations first. I but mean, there's no responsibility to do so. I think that there there are too many people, um, even in a university setting, who have just been taught one way, and that's all that they know how to argue, and they mm. know they don't know how to form a real argument, and they don't they don't come to school to learn anything. Most kids don't <laughs> go to school to learn anything. I'm serious. They oh. come to confirm what they already know. Right, or they're yeah. here. Uh, I know a lot a lot of people are at a university to get a degree instead of an education, which are two different mm-hmm. things. And, uh, I mean, if somebody doesn't want to learn something, they're not going to learn something. Yeah. So... And so I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, like, what do y'all, what do y'all think of the about that debate aspect? Like, should should this be a debate that we have more often? You know, people arguing, okay, why, why is... Um, why is evolution good? Why is intelligent design good? Um, it, it seems to be something that we sort of suppress, you know, even on the evolutionary side, that there are demonstrable cases where these people were just fired outright for mentioning intelligent design at all. Very extreme. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I have a problem with that sort of extremism on both sides of the issue, that, that there should be an intelligent debate and that those who are rational will come to maybe a different conclusion than what they already have, um, but that it shouldn't be this idea of this is the truth, this is the way it is, take our word for it. But you know, a, a reasoned, you know, empirically, this is the truth, and this is how we came Don't to. Don't trust authority. Right. This is well. <laughs> trust an authority if the authority gives you a good, reasonable process for why you should believe a certain way. Mm-hmm. Don't trust authority. <laughs> Like, so, so are you are you an authority on that? Should should we? No, don't trust me on that. Oh. Don't trust you on that. Don't trust me on that. All right. Come so. to your own conclusions. <laughs> All right, guys. So here, here's the problem I have. Okay. Let's let's take. Um, like presupposition saying that um, God does exist. Let's just go with that. If God exists, see, I would have God, a problem with that. Well, I I have a problem said, with well, this sort of conditional argument thing. But, uh, but okay. go ahead. Go ahead. So if God did exist or does exist and created the universe, and we don't teach that, then we're teaching something that's not true. But we so and we're basing that off the fact that we can't prove God, and so then like we go down this route because of you know rights in our constitution saying that we're separating you know church and state mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then we put ourselves in this little niche where we're stuck and we can't get out you know what i'm saying it seems like a well, metaphor I, oh, go, go ahead julie well i was just going to say that that if you <laughs> if you want to take that argument and i'm not saying i agree or disagree with you but the fallacy in that i think is that your school was teaching you something false either way right um some would say that that your initial precip your initial supposition that god exists is wrong and therefore that everything you deduce from it is wrong as well 
well, because you can you can de- deduce a a valid argument from that supposition, but it will not be sound if your initial premise is incorrect. Right. But I'm not saying that God does exist. I'm saying that He either could have or could have not. Okay. If He doesn't, that means that we could be right. But if He does, that means that we're wrong. But we don't okay. know that. It's, well, it's, then, it's, no, it's, it's a, 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 a truism. It doesn't get us anywhere. It's an right. extension of, of Pascal's wager almost. Pascal's oh, yeah. Wager. Um, yeah, Pascal's wager. Yeah. Pascal's wager, you know, um, if, there's, if there is a heaven um, and hell, if there's not a heaven or hell and I'm an atheist, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. If there is a heaven and hell, I'm an atheist. I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if I sort of, if I believe right. in if I believe in in God, and there isn't one, I'm still okay. Yeah. If I believe in God and there is one, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. So believing in God is the best choice. Yeah. Because either way, I'm going to turn out right. Hmm. That's that's Pascal's wager. Um, yeah. That that non-belief doesn't have the potential for uh, reward. Yes. Now, unfortunately, the the fallacy with Pascal's wager is it doesn't it doesn't include all the possibilities, <laughs> because there are more <laughs> possibilities than God exists and God does not exist. Because it could be God exists, Brahma exists, uh, Vishnu exists. Um, you know, Buddha exists, or you know, no, all we know these... Buddha exists. He was a dude. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't. Yeah. He was a but, uh, or, or you know, any of these other, you know, Allah exists. Um, any of these yes. other possibilities, and, and and you know, then then in all those cases, belief in God might not get you too well because you you know, Vishnu wouldn't be too happy about that if you went your whole life believing in God. You know, Vishnu might have something to say bad about that. Um, mm. So you know, so should I believe in everything? And, and there are even there are even no. I love <laughs> no. <laughs> No, but there's even a problem with that. You, you know, you could argue sort of that that it's better to be religious than non-religious. But here's there's another possibility. There could be a god that nobody knows about that rewards atheism because it's the rational choice. <laughs> but what atheist wants to believe that? I, mean, really. I know. Um, and, and see, so then you then you would you would basically have infinite rewards. I think if I was for, an atheist, you just broke believe my head. that I would be like send me to hell. Like, you, just, you just broke my head, man. Just broke your head. <laughs> Because if God. <laughs> it's a God that rewards atheism, then you want to be an atheist and not believe in the God. Well, it's and God. Then, no, and no, then, it's and then you're I've hit a negative feedback loop. <laughs> no, the, the, the problem is it's it's a it's a God it's a God that rewards rationality. So because because he because for any particular reason. But that's very irrational. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that, that like know. that's like this contradiction is very nature. It does, does seem it does seem sort of paradoxical. This, the next statement is false. Yeah. The previous statement is true. <laughs> yeah, it's a paradox. It's a paradox. Um, but it's it's one of the, and it's one of the things that to show that, that any sort of Pascal's wager type thing is is really a not not a good way of arguing. You know, you can you can talk about possibilities all day, but it's it all depends on how you set up your initial probability. You know, how how probable it is that that God exists or not becomes a, a legitimate question. But that's not something you can you can nail down. Now, and, Admittedly, Pascal's wager is one of the the poorer um, <laughs> arguments for the existence. Pascal's of, almost become a straw man at this point. It, it has become a straw man, and it's 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 so easy to defeat now that it's really I, I just really kind of shed a tear when I hear anyone bring it up. But um, it's almost as good as Godwin's law. It is almost as good. As, which, by the way, expelled has that's a why I brought it up. Huge, <laughs> yeah, huge, 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 huge instance of Godwin's law, and it basically. It basically hinges a good portion of its argument on equating atheism with the Holocaust, uh, which is completely untrue. Uh, Hitler was a Catholic and an admitted Catholic and a practicing Catholic for a significant portion of his life, including the time during the Holocaust. Um, so the argument that that Hitler's um, actions were based on atheism is completely false. <laughs> um, 
and it, you know, it, it kind of reflects a, a stigma, I think, around uh, the idea of, of non-religion, of, of atheism, or any any sort of non-Christianity in America. It's a sort of mistrust. Um, that, would you all agree with that? That's sort of like you're, you're less See, inclined I, th- I think to... you have Christianity, and then you have American Christianity, honestly. <laughs> like, I, I'm dead serious on that. Like, uh, ex- explain that. Explain the difference in your mind. <laughs> well, well I, I believe that uh, American Christianity is based on morals. And, it, and it's based on, and, and the church in America, for the most part, not all churches, has kind of turned it into this, I'm better than you because I do the right thing, which, mm-hmm. um, who says that they're they're right? I well, mean, they, they would say that they're right. It's, it's they're a moral right. issue. They would say that, that, that their morality is based on Christianity, I think. I, I don't think they say it the other way around. Um, well, mm-hmm. except except there's, there's things like, um, I don't know, for instance... People argue argue these big hot button issues and things like that, and um, a lot of people stay inside their churches and and they refuse to to mingle and and talk to to people who who are maybe homosexual or yeah. or you know things like that. Which in fact, um, I'm pretty sure Jesus was here, you know, in in the Bible, and and he's like living with people like that and hanging out with people like that. <laughs> the undesirables. And so <laughs> and so I just think think that. Um, Christianity in America has turned into kind of a cultural thing. Okay. And, and you see, that right there is what, like, as a Christian myself, that's what hurts me more than anything, because you see a statistic that says, you know, like, was it 80% of Americans are it's Christians like or Protestants, right? It? Yeah. I've been told 85. I've not read uh, that so anywhere. It's, it's a very high number. It's between 80 and 85. And then yeah. you get what you're saying is that people go out and then they're either not talking to someone who's a homosexual, they're not involved with someone who has a different moral base than they do, or they're trying to exclude themselves from these different places in society. And I think that's totally wrong. I don't think that's what Christianity is. And like you said, that's the American version. I think that's coming from our American culture. And so our media, our entertainment has formed this American Christianity that you're talking well, about. Which, and that's which, why, why people were getting emails that were like, if you vote for Obama, like, you know, or... You're going to hell. Yeah, or... <laughs> yeah. I mean, things like that that are totally stupid. <laughs> well, with that argument, Matt, it's, it's hard to say that it's completely media-generated because you go out and you look at um, I, I, the, the church that protests soldiers' funerals mm-hmm. um, that goes out there with these these extremely insensitive um, signs and they yell things. It's and not sort a of Christian stuff. church. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, mm-hmm. but those things exist and those feelings exist. I mean, we just had Prop 8 overturned in California, one of the most liberal states in this union. Right. Um, and they point. just banned gay marriage again. Mm-hmm. And and so you you can't you you can't say that well that's that's a that's a minority that's that's something we can't we don't want to talk about we ignore it. It's almost the same thing. Um, you know, you get with Muslim extremists. I mean, mm-hmm. you're gonna have extremists in anything, but and 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 definitely with. Um, with Muslims and those of Islam, they've spent a lot of time recently, in the past 10 years or so, really trying to say, look, this isn't what we're like. Mm-hmm. But we still have suicide bombings. We still have people protesting exactly. soldiers' there, weddings. There's, or there's this sort of... Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, they'd probably so, uh, protest the weddings, too, but we won't let our soldiers be gay. Um, <laughs> take that as you will. Um, but and, 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 and so, yes, there there isn't that, but it's, you know, these, these are smaller groups, but they're the visible ones, and mm. that's going to create this stigma and this and this this impression. And um, I was I was discussing with a friend of mine yesterday about how how American st- st- foreign stereotypes of Americans are true. Mm-hmm. 
Because oh, yes. I, was, I would agree with you. I was, sitting, on I was that. sitting in Arby's yesterday with my roommate, and we had both both ordered the large Arby's combo, the number three <laughs> that comes in a little box with a lot with, with a medium a medium drink that was at least thirty two ounces, if not more, <laughs> and a giant box of fries. And we're sitting here and we're eating these, and we finished everything. We both finished everything and got a refill on my drink. Um, and I'm thinking Arby's right now. <laughs> but and we sat here, and while we're eating this this massive amount of food. I, I'm sitting here and I'm going, we are pigs. We are <laughs> the stereotype. And 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 we hate these stereotypes, you know, and people look down at us for, for being an extremely overweight country and for having super size and stuff like that. But then I go to a restaurant and I order a large amount of food and I eat it all in one setting and it's horrible for me and I love it. And and so well, not everyone does that. Though. Not everyone but does a large, that. Large portion of Americans do. Enough people do it that McDonald's, Wendy's Arby's, Whataburger. Whataburger, Taco Bell, Taco Villa, Burger King, yeah. Burger King, all of these stay in business and make <laughs> lots and lots of money. Um, and and but see, I'm not saying that the stereotype doesn't exist and that it's not true. I'm just saying that it is there. It is a problem, and it needs to be fixed. It, mm-hmm. From my perspective, it hurts me when I look at a church that says that they're one thing, especially, and this is where I'm saying, like, churches that people see on TV, mm-hmm. especially overseas, that's what a lot of people are going to see, and that is what I think is completely unbiblical from my point of view, and that that's what needs to be changed. And so, you know, the stereotype exists. It's a problem. It needs to be changed. Yeah, and, and uh, admittedly, there are a lot of problems with, with Christian religion in, in the United States today, and that's that's actually one of the the primary things that Richard Dawkins argues against in the God Delusion is is that that organized religion as it stands in the world today, you know, it has all these has all these dogmatic problems, has all these political problems that it that it influences our influences our lives on a whole to the negative. That he, the the best thing is at the beginning of the book he has this um, he talks about this painting he saw in. Um, Oh, I can't remember. I think it was in an office somewhere. It was a a picture of New, the New York City skyline with the twin towers intact, and it said, "Imagine a world without religion." And huh. it was it was one of those things that just struck me like a holy crap. Um, and we think we think now, oh man, a lot of a lot of people have died in the name of religion. And and you could say you could say well it's more of a political thing, you know, it was a political statement against America and the West and all this, but the motivation at its core was drawn from where? The Quran. Mm-hmm. Was from from a from a religious mm-hmm. doctrine. The Crusades were drawn from this sort of, you know, manifest yeah. conversion. The Spanish Inquisition was nobody dr- expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> um, all of these things throughout history and we we, we kind of just brush them aside, but then we think, you know, well People do horrible things, um, but people do horrible things. That's, that's, without that's what I would say. Is people do horrible you know. things, and and religion is a nice excuse to have. Sure, um, because I mean, and if that excuse look, yeah. were not there, but if that excuse were not there, do you think people would be would be more willing to be rational about a certain situation? Because religion kind of encourages this faith, the idea of, of believing without understanding, of you know following in a disciplined manner. Whatever comes at you, even if you may have kind of a gut feeling to the contrary. I'm pretty well, sure none of us live our complete lives completely rational. I mean, you can't you can't rationally argue everything that you, that you do. Or, I mean, I know I I can't as a musician I can't rationally argue like why that something 
I mean, there's there's physics and things like that, but that doesn't that doesn't really necessarily directly relate there, there, to anything else. There are certain else. qualitative things that cannot be uh, expressed rationally. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's a good argument, but I would say why why does it have to? And I'm curious about how y'all feel about this. Like, what's the primary motivator um, for your religious belief? Well, um, before I get onto that, I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, comment on something. Um, else. You said that. Um, you know, religion is an excuse to not explain something. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we don't understand everything about evolution either. And so, using that, you could say it's an excuse saying, "Oh, it just evolved this way." I'm just. This is what they, the arguments expelled make was was that that science requires the same amount of faith. Um, which, the, diff- the difference I would contend in science is most of the time science just goes, "Well, we don't know," but the religious approach would be, well, we do know, and it was it was mm. through this, you know, mechanism, whatever, uh, you know, God setting such and so in motion, and um, mm. but this, at the same time, there's not more understanding one way or the other. I would but say there's there's the, more the, rationality in the, the scientific lack position to of say. understanding. A scientist, a a genuine scientist, I will qualify, um, should have no problem saying I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. And and personally, I think. A good religion should say the same thing in certain mm-hmm. situations, um, or, or in lots of situations. If and and proposing to have any answer when you don't, mm-hmm. I think is is a trouble. I mean, you know, not having knowledge, saying I don't know, is the first step on on gaining knowledge, on on learning and figuring something out. Until you acknowledge that you don't really know how something works, in any regard, you can't you can't learn you can't figure it out you can't precisely learn yeah. how something is until you acknowledge that you don't know mm-hmm. and so now what was the other question you had asked well yeah the, then so at least to my question then rather than saying just i don't know why take a religious stand why why take that position um the, i look at the world and i see a world that is in my opinion messed up i look out there and i see that there's problems for me, there's got to be a reason for the problem. Okay. And so then when I look into the Bible, the Bible gives tells a story that explains where these problems came from. It's called sin in the Bible, and that the, the world was created by a God that was in the beginning perfect, and then because we had free will through a lot of stuff we talked about in other episodes, <laughs> um, then we chose you know our selfish path, and then that introduced sin into the world, and that's the problem. So that explains the problems that we have in the world today, and then because of the problems, we have to have redemption somehow, and then the Bible tells about how God sent His Son Jesus to the earth to redeem the world, mm-hmm. and then so for me that solves the problem, and then that gives me a reason, you know, to understand why I'm here now and what I'm going to hmm. in the future. Julie, you look like you have a response. <laughs> to that. Um, that sounds a lot like a formula to me, and and I think that that's. I just read a book by Donald Miller, um, and it's called Searching for God Knows What. Um, it's a pretty good book, and it makes some interesting arguments. I'm not going to say I agree or disagree with everything that he says, but one of the arguments that he makes is that um, Christianity has been turned into a formula, and it's like a step-by-step process of, like, of like it's a process. It's a recipe. It's mm-hmm. a recipe. And and then he and then he tries to. It's like God sin, God sin, get Jesus. Right, right. And one of and right. one of the comparisons he makes is. Um, is comparing that to like falling in love with a with a person with mm. another person, and and those two things there's not a recipe for that or at least I don't think that there's a recipe <laughs> for that and I and I feel like that you can know you can know like you can know everything about a person or, or everything about a religion and it still can mean nothing to you. Hmm. Well, well, I that's, have that's fallen in true. love with Jesus. I have well, done that. Okay, <laughs> oh, and, and Dawkins uses this this analogy as well, but. 
in a negative sense, <laughs> um, that that sort of that religious uh, affiliation is sort of like ir- irrational love. That it's sort of it's just something we do in our psychology. And and he actually brings up the the possibility that that religious love is a a misapplication of the biological uh, predisposition to irrational love, which is required for extended relationships and procreation and raising children, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but that we're we have this this predisposition to fall in love with Jesus as well, because that's already built into our psychology, uh, and, and you know it's a it's a good point I think. But um, what it, what uh, you mentioned, Matt, mm-hmm. in sort of the you see evil in the world, right? And you make that you made that initial assumption that there must be an explanation, right? Well, if we're evolving on our own, why would there be evil? If we're choosing what we want. The, well, you, okay, the argument there is if, well, it's going back to the argument from evil. You know, trying trying to explain why do bad things happen to good people, etc. Right. Et um, well, I have I have an explanation for you. Life sucks. Shit <laughs> 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 um, happens. It, it's it's the sort of idea that that there that stuff just happens, and, and that that our our kind of our desire to to put a reason behind it is our way of coping with the world. Um, that for some evolutionary reason we've we've evolved that that need to have an explanation, but you can you can form an explanation in terms of, of physical processes. You can say, well, that happened to you because you know this 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 a b and c. Mm-hmm. It's not because of anything that you did, and and don't. It's kind of a it's kind of an egocentric position to say that well I caused this to happen, um, you know, or or, or homosexuality in New happen. Orleans caused it to be, uh, oh, you know, overrun by, yeah. by a hurricane. I mean, <laughs> and yet, you know, that, and yet people have said that. <laughs> I know. Um, it's, I know. It's this idea, you know, that 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 human actions can affect reality on a, on this grand <laughs> right. scale. It seems to be a a horrible um, misapplication of this idea that. It's the explanation is far simpler. Stuff just happens. We don't have control over the world. So do we not have any control at all, or do we just not always have control? We don't. We don't have the control to the extent that we would like, uh, but we do. <laughs> but we do have yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, weather, weather control is coming someday. Negative cloud seeding and stuff. Yeah, but it's still not that good. At least not, not that yet. good yet. Right. Mm. But Positive. but I see I see your your point though. I mean you mm-hmm. see you do. It's a formulaic approach. You see a problem in the world. Okay, religion offers a solution. But um, Dawkins' argument is that that there are other solutions that you should consider, and that that you know religion is the closest at hand, but it may not be the best explanation because religion does have a very difficult problem explaining the existence of evil in the world. I mean, we had a we had an episode about this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those issues burn, that that, burn. that just will not <laughs> it just will not go away um, for the simple fact that, in my opinion there is no good explanation that religion cannot come up with a good explanation for why there is evil in the world other than just there is period <laughs> here's an interesting thought um this, this kind of has come up in my um my it's not a religion seminar but we, it's all we talk about is religion so maybe it is a religion seminar right um it's not that it's called bridging the gap between sciences and humanities religion is not one of those but <laughs> that's the point i think um is we, we briefly talked about, and, and the rest of the class didn't want to talk about it, so it kind of went away, but I've been thinking about it for a while, is is we are in an egocentric world. Okay. I'm selfish, you're selfish, he's selfish, Julie's a little selfish. Um, <laughs> um, but, but that 
religion in all of its forms, all all what we call genuine religions, is something we've, an idea we've developed in this class. Hmm. Um, the idea of a genuine religion versus non-genuine, religion. like you said, uh, those those protest groups are not good Christians. Right. Um, stuff like that. Um, like I said, we spent a whole semester working on this, so just kind of bear with me as I go through it to the to the point I'm trying to make. Um, is they come from an experience of non-ego. Hmm. Not from from a, an experience, a moment of uh, something caused or uncaused, where someone has this moment. What we've dubbed religious geniuses have this moment of completely non-ego. Mm-hmm. Um, you could say Jesus had it. You could say Buddha had it. Um, Muhammad, you could say, had these had these moments oh, of non-ego. Yeah. Yeah. But what happened is when they try and to to explain this method, you have what's known as the disciples' fallacy. Where I'm in a non-ego standpoint, because I've had this religious experience, a genuine religious experience of being in a non-ego sense, and I then say it, tell you, you know, about that, and then you take that in your ego mind, in your everydayness, and try and interpret it, and thus you get something different. Uh-huh. And that's and religions are not based around a person more so as much as they are based around what a person said and how. What they said was interpreted. Yes, that's that's a very good. Um, and 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 so, and a, a, a discussion discussion came up as should we have organized religion? Mm. And that's really and, that's and mostly could, what could dark... you have unorganized religion? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, and I would say unorganized religion is this idea of personal spirituality. This sort of you know oh, I have I have my God and you know you have your God. This sort of a uh, I think that's egocentric. Yeah, see, that's it is. But, see, yeah. but, but see, um, and and that's what, what something that comes up is is that. But that's that's still you're still focusing on your unorganized religion is still organized in you. Yes. Um, and so that's, it is still an organized religion. An organized religion of one person is still an organized religion. Mm-hmm. An unorganized religion would be not something that you could cause. It's not not something you can create a recipe to get to. Mm-hmm. It's something you can search for and look for and attempt to achieve religious success and attempt to achieve that sense of non-ego. But the methodology for getting there are not are not is not a recipe. It's not something you can achieve on your hmm. own. I mean, we did we did a meditation experiment in the class, and it was like there was a moment of 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 not necessarily non-ego, but of of not being oneself. Mm-hmm. Um, one girl described it as an out-of-body experience. She had, we were sitting with her eyes closed in a dark room, and she said she could see everybody. Um, and and I had I had a similar experience. Were you guys like, like chanting or no, something? No, no, we we were sitting. Okay. In silence. Did you test this? I was doing this. Uh huh. Um, and I didn't. I didn't. Have, <laughs> I was. <laughs> um, and and it's something of 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 that non-ego feeling. And and there's probably a biochemical explanation for why that happened. Um, but when I was doing it, I couldn't. I didn't have any more hands. Hmm. That was my experience. Was my hands were gone. I knew where they should be, but I could not feel them. They didn't exist. It wasn't like they're numb. Because if you have something go numb, you know it's. You know you feel the weight of it on your leg or something. Uh-huh. They were just gone. Um, and see, this is this is the whole question of religious experience and how it. Uh, I would, I would contend that these are all psychological. That that sounds a lot to me like the. Oh gosh, it, the people who like throw the demons out on TV who yeah. are like who are like well, yeah, I mean, and, but and that's but just ridiculous. It is, but. and I agree. Um, but but is it possible to have a moment of non-ego? I'm I'm sure. I mean, it, but it's a psychological thing. It, it doesn't have to be supernatural in explanation. I never said it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm saying that these these religious experiences, whatever their cause, are moments of being completely non-ego. Hmm. Okay. Um, which is something that we don't do. 99.9 to the tenth percent of the percent time. of the time. Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, Dawkins offers a lot of alternative explanations. I'm sure. Um. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm still learning. Into, uh, defi- I mean, it's a, it's a psychological issue. It's a biological issue. But I, I'm, I have definitely come around to the the possibility that this this is explainable in empirical terms, um, just the same as as UFOs and uh, black magic and everything else. That, but we will find an explanation for how this works in the world. That it's it's just a matter of time, and that religion is is one of those things that the scientific community has certainly moved past. That the vast majority of, of academia of academics are atheists. Um, so it's almost something that that we've moved to among the educated, among the properly educated, but not <laughs> properly educated, but not among the general populace. Yeah, and there's that. But it's it's a situation where we are. It's again having the goal in mind, mm-hmm. um, and and that's something that I don't think. It, it, it is good to have a goal of explaining something. Um, and that's that's what a scientist should have as their goal, is to have a question and trying to find an answer. Yeah. There's lots of evidence for, um, you know, for atheism. You know, Dawkins has spoken hundreds of times across the country, stuff like this. There's, there's lots of good arguments and evidence for that. But it's a situation where when a scientist truly shuts himself off to any outside evidence... Um, not that there's been a lot of evidence to shut themselves off from, but that's what I'm, I'm afraid of that happening when mm-hmm. if if we just say nope, no more supernatural things, um, hmm. yeah, of of completely of of then I come to you and show you something. I'm not saying that I've done this. I'm not, I'm saying again, 99.9 to the tenth, supernatural things that are out there are fake, are frauds, um, but it it needs to be a point of being open. To argument. Yes, and that that was my main point. It's just this needs to be a debate rather than an open and shut case, uh, as as it has been portrayed many times. So I'm I'm glad we were able to do this. Uh, this mm-hmm. is this was the the exactly the type of thing that I wanted to foster. Um, and you know, you listening out there, have this debate with your friends. If you're religious, question your own beliefs. If you're non-religious. Question your own Question beliefs. Question your own beliefs. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, well, thank you all for being on the show. I'm Stephen Torrance, as always. Kevin, Kevin Saunders. Julie Meadows. And Matt Legler. All right. We'll see you next time on Bad Philosophy. You know what I found out? Hmm? When you say Matt Legler really fast, it kind of sounds like Metal Legler. Metal Legler. <laughs> Metal Legler. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Metal Legler. Badphilosophy.com I love my mother, she loves me, it's pretty awesome.